December. You know what the fuck it is. Aries and Andy, you and the jerk. You know it's time to get this work. The real raw, gutter, uncut cocaine. No political corrections. Always sleep. Fuck being awoke. We discuss politics and jokes. We lick. There's levels to this shit. Before you were sucking on your mama's tits. Airy Spears don't give a fuck. We talk about race a lot. Racism. Sexism. Much love to my loyal bitch bag holders. Rollers, clip loaders. We got them in the folders. The whole world on our shoulders. Spears and Steinberg. Yeah! Run up and get touched up. Suicide. <laughs> and all of y'all know my style. Are we rocking and rolling? We're ready. Did you not like that intro video I just made for where we are here at the, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I look, man, uh, white people, y'all like, and it was funny is how we talked about like on the exorcist, you don't fuck with the devil. Yeah. You don't invite the devil in your life. But yet you don't have no problems making death jokes and because we're dark. all we're all gonna die, but we're not all gonna go to hell. <sighs> we should just stay clear of all of that. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I don't want to you know relegate this to it. I, I I don't. I've never seen black people play with death the way y'all do. Like I've been on planes <laughs> where you skydiving. Yeah, but that's different. That's a sport. You daring death. When you skydive. But I got a parachute on. Yeah, but what if it doesn't open? That's why you do it once. Because <laughs> you know? your odds are good? I do it once. That's it. Uh, it was an itch that needed to be scratched. I scratched it. That's it. Uh, but I've been on planes, and when that turbulence hits real hard, white guys go, oh, this might be it. <laughs> That's not funny to me. Do you know? You know, I there, when we leave this hotel uh, here in West Nyack, which Andy and I have been to before, and we sit right outside the window. It's a fucking cemetery. Right across the street is the Nyack Inn. Now, it looks like some shit. <laughs> I started to go, maybe I should go to the Nyack Inn. <laughs> it looks like a roadway inn. Yeah, it, yeah, man. I just did, you know. And listen, I've been to this hotel now, what, three, four times now? Yeah, it's a nice so, hotel. Yeah, so, yeah, it's boutique. And I'm not big on boutique hotels. But it's okay. It's fine. I just, you know, that's just creepy, man. It is, but what you need to do is you need to request that they put us on the other side. Or at least you on the other side. Yeah, the other side has a really good view. Every time they put us here, they put us with the the death facing. Jesus (laughs) Christ. There's some very nice plots, though. You know, some people really took care of themselves in their their afterlife. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) So, obviously, before we get to the meat and potatoes, we are discussing the Rocky doc, not the Rocky, the Sly documentary called Sly. On Netflix. You're not even going to do the the impression. Let me ease oh, I'm sorry. This, I'm sorry. Fuck me. Fuck me. I'm sorry. Yeah, God damn. I'm just looking forward to this. So are they. So, yeah, it's yeah. coming I, at some I know, point. I know. I know. I know. I know. Uh, I, I jumped the gun. Yes. Uh, Appetizer-wise, uh, one thing I did want to mention uh, is I took the, pl- the flight from uh, L.A. to here. Of course, I did my downloads of stuff I'm going to watch on the plane. Three-part documentary called Get Gotti, about mobster John Gotti in the 80s. Uh, folks, check this out. It's, it's, it's not a movie, but it's man, food, ingredients. It's, it's mafia. It's violence. 
It's the 80s. Um, it's only three parts. Like each episode is like an hour. Um, and, you know, and Andy, I know when I mentioned to you, you said you even had started to see this on your own yeah. without me having having said anything. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, but yeah, I'd love it if maybe at some point yeah, we, did that we could one. discuss. Because like I said, it's 80s. So that's cha-ching for both of us. It's mafia cha-ching for both of us. Yeah, and it's just, uh, it's Gotti, man. And they have a, on the History Channel, they also, if you catch that on the History Channel, they have a whole thing, all the uh, Costa Nosa, all the way. Costa from, Nostra. Yeah, all the way from yeah. the beginning to like where it really falls apart. Yeah. And uh, that's really good too because they really have this whole hour dedicated basically to Gotti and what was going on around him. So that, and how he took out uh, Paul uh, Castellano. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, the one thing I will say, uh, and I don't want to give away anything else, especially if we're going to talk about it is when the one prosecutor goes, uh, it wasn't the, the organized crime task force that took Gotti out. It wasn't the FBI. It wasn't the government. It was Gotti. Shut your fucking mouth. That's and the, iro- the irony of the mafia is all about shut your fucking mouth. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what all the old bosses were. Right. Be as quiet as you can. Be as undetectable as you be can. Be discreet. Yeah. And he was not that. Um, dude, something else I wanted to ask you if you saw this. I never saw this movie, but let me try to give you the cliff notes. One day I'm in my house, and you've been to my house. So I got the TV on above the fireplace. I'm in the kitchen doing shit, but I, I just really, I'm not paying attention. I had this movie on called Zodiac. You ever heard of it? Is it not the one with, um, who's in it? Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr., and Jake Gyllenhaal. No, I haven't seen that one. So you, have you oh, never wait, heard wait, of it? I, no, I have seen that one. I you did have? See that. Yes, I did. Okay, so you know what it's about? Yeah. Okay. I, no idea what this movie was about, but I looked at it when it first came on, I'm going, damn. Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr., Jake Jr., solid cast. But again, I'm not paying attention. All of a sudden, the scene where, and just so you people know what it's about, it's about uh, uh, real-life events, the Zodiac Killer, serial killer. And this motherfucker spawned from the late, like, 69, all the way into the 90s. And he was killing motherfuckers in San Francisco. And the scene comes up in the movie where I guess this couple, this man and this woman, are in a, by a lake somewhere. And the Zodiac killer approaches them with some zip ties. He's got a gun. He's got a knife in his hip. And he basically is trying to rob them, but his intent is to kill them. So he tells the lady to first zip tie her boyfriend. He gets on his knees, zip ties the boyfriend, knocks him on his stomach. Then he zip ties the woman, knocks on his stomach. Here's what caught me. This motherfucker takes the blade out of his hip and just starts stabbing the dude in the back. And she's screaming her ass off. Then he stabs the lady in the back a couple times, then flips her over and brutally, and this is graphic, and just starts stabbing her in the stomach while she's screaming. I went, what the fuck is this? Like, it was jarring to me how brutal it was. Uh, So I downloaded the movie. I watched the movie on the plane. It's two and a half hours. And you said you saw it. You remember much of it? No, I really don't. Let me tell you something, man. For two hours and 20 minutes, this movie had me on the edge of my fucking seat. Because it took forever for them to expose who the dude was. So prior to that, dude, you are invested in this motherfucker. Not to mention the performances are fucking phenomenal. 
the ending was so unsatisfying. It, it, for two hours and 20 minutes, they had me on the edge of my seat. And the way this movie ends, I wanted to throw my fucking iPad all over first class. It, it was so unsatisfying, dude. How could they take me on this journey to it, leave me like this? Yeah. It's, and I don't want to say when I say it stunk, not the movie. The movie for two hours and 20 minutes was awesome. But that ending, dude. It's... Like, imagine a woman blowing you, and you are about to come, and she goes, gotta go. <laughs> you never get to come. You felt all the sensation of the blowjob, but it, the, the, the climactic ending is the jizz, either on her face or in her mouth. And you don't do either one. <laughs> oh, man. I'm laughing because those are the only two places that you could finish. Wherever you can finish. <laughs> you don't finish. As long as you finish. You don't finish. Uh, yeah. Um, when you first brought it up, I thought you were talking about the one with John Leguizamo, who did the who did a Zodiac oh, uh, no, movie, too. I don't know about that. Uh, which was different. But uh, <clears> this <throat> one is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on. Oh, it was such a great movie, man. Oh, and then, but that ending was so... I, un- all I remember is not liking it that much. Maybe because of the ending. That's all I remember. Yeah, that was the only reason for me not to like it. All right. Meat and potatoes time. Hey, oh! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sly on Netflix. You know, I thought that this was going to be like Arnold. And uh, was it even called... Was Arnold's called Arnold? Yeah, know. right? I think it was. Arnold. Yeah, man. No, I don't know. As a matter of fact, I'm almost positive. Let's see. But go on. Keep going. So I'll look. Schwarzenegger documentary. Dun, 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 dun. Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's just all you're going to put? No. Let's see. See, they're giving you his. This is why I beat you. Because you said something where they just going to give you his filmography. If you specifically go, Arnold. I didn't put it in Google. Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. Sorry, nigga. Here are some Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary selections. Okay, you win. No, I haven't found it yet. Yeah, but I want to know, what what is FUBAR? Did you see that? Fucked beyond all recognition. Yeah, but no, but did you see it? No, that's him? Yeah. And it didn't even pop up on my shit. It had Pumping Iron, The Game Changers. This is stupid. I'm pretty sure it was called Arnold. Okay, so we just know it's Arnold. All right, so I'm saying that to say... Uh, dude, these dudes, and this was like my first note off the top. These dudes are in such competition with each other. Even now, at old age, like Arnold's is called Arnold. His is called Sly. And I can't help but think that he only did this because Arnold did his. Same fucking network. Or or was it called a network? Uh, streaming. Streaming uh, yeah. service. Um... But the difference is Arnold's was a three-parter. This is just an hour and a half, one and done, which I thought was done rather nicely in the hour and 37 minutes, to be exact. Arnold's was more Arnold. Like, it was bigger. It was more flashy. I had the bigger had muscles. Most... I had to have the bigger documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had all the flash <clears throat> about Arnold's career, where this was more, where Sly's, this is more personal. Right. So I thought this was, I thought this was nicely done. I got to ask you a question, though, before we get into the documentary, though. Yeah. I'm not shitting on Sly. Mm-hmm. What about his face, though? 
Like now, yeah, yeah, all the like you can see. There's a little plastic surgery stuff. That he's I doing. don't think so. You don't think his cheekbones look a little like nah. enhanced him or nah. pulled something back or did something? Nah, I think Sly is such an, a man's man. Him and Arnold, they accept their fates visually. I don't know. They, no, I don't think it looks Sly's like something was done. done. Nah, I just think that's an old. That's an action hero. This, you know. But is that what you want? You you want your action hero to get old, right? Do I you, want Birch Bridge Bridgewater, nigga. But you a want man. But you want to, yeah, to to get go ahead and be natural. Don't do because once you get the surgery, now you want some pussy shit. Uh, I just think he looks a little like he had something. Really? Yeah. Um, you know something that Arnold Schwarzenegger pointed out that we talked about in the car on the drive to the club that I didn't realize, and and I said, you know, it reminded me of when I was in uh, Montreal for the comedy festival. And by this time, the, the Montreal Comedy Festival didn't have the cachet that it once had. Like, it literally would make careers for people. If as a comic, you went down there and killed. Now, let's be honest, by the time I went to it, uh, long after it had lost its cachet, it was just a retreat for the agents. It was a fun party weekend. You know, yeah, they had comics come there and perform, but it just wasn't like, it, like Aspen was in the beginning, and in, in Montreal, in the beginning, it was just a place for ages to get together, have drinks, and wild out. So I remember Barry Katz <clears throat> was talking to me, Barry man, and he said, uh, "You know, Aries, if nothing else, you've accomplished something great in your life. You've been on a TV show, man. Most people go their whole careers and never get on a TV show. You've been on more than one, even though." Uh, the underground wasn't nearly as successful as Mad TV. Point is, I've done it once. So it made me think about when I go, dude, to, to, to have a, a brand in terms of a franchise is hard enough. But, and I didn't even think about it until Schwarzenegger said it. But I go, just like when you look at Harrison Ford, up until, you know, obviously three parts, uh, Han Solo, and fucking Indiana Jones. A lot of guys don't have more than one. He had two. Uh, Stallone. Rocky Rambo. And then I forgot to switch an except The Expendables. Which even comes, if you want to call it that, the end of his career. He's not the 80s action star. He's an old, old guy. But still, to accomplish that, three fucking franchises. You got to tip your hat to that, man. Yeah, no, I think that he's outstanding. And I think, I honestly, <laughs> I, I between the two, are, and I know I don't want to do a bunch of comparisons between him and Arnold, but you have to because yeah, they're both the to, same yeah. place, the, the same time period. It's same. Magic and Michael. What? Uh, who do you think is... I don't think that Sylvester Stallone, as much as he could be a great actor, every, I'm not going to say great actor. He's, he's a good actor. He's a sufficient actor. But Arnold has that voice that keeps him from being like taken seriously as a as an actor. You know, no matter what, yeah, he's going to yeah, have that. Yeah. But Sylvester Stallone has the same kind of that that, <laughs> and then they explain that in in this deal. Yeah. And the eyes and the you know the, the droopy lip. Yeah. I think it's almost harder for Sylvester Stallone to to like he can. I don't know if it's harder, if it's equal, but those guys, to, to be it, they only had one genre. And so Sylvester Sloan, and then they talk about this, though, keeps trying to get into other other genres. Right. And 
I, and I, I don't, it, it didn't work out for him. So when you talk about those other guys, like uh, Robert Downey Jr. has uh, has uh, franchises and uh, who is As Iron Man. Yeah. Well, he has that. He has. The, oh, sh- well, sh- Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, uh, like you said, Harrison Ford. But they're actors. I'm, I'm, yes. not, I'm not shitting on them. No, no, I know what you're they're, saying. They're actors. They're they, actors. They, and they could get in other movies. They can blend. Right, they, can, right. they can play other characters. Robert Downey Jr. played, right. uh, uh, who's the silent? Charlie Chaplin. I mean, his, yes. his acting skills are his yes. acting skills. Yes. These guys, they can only play these characters. These, 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 And when they try to play those other things, uh, I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger actually... Had a better like in Twins, he did better than. Well, no, I'll, he he's been more successful in comedies. Yes, than Sly, but he's got nothing on the table that goes. Oh my God, his respectable dramatic acting in that. He's not like you said. Yeah. Yeah. That's who he is. But I'm. I was just saying, it's easier. It's somehow it seemed easier for Arnold to blend into acting and find roles that well, suited we'll be careful that. When you say. Acting. You mean comedies? Comedies, but comedy acting is still acting. Okay, but just because, but, but when you say acting, when you, when you don't, you think De Niro, Pacino, De, acting. Like you just said, De, uh, uh, Robert Downey. Who else did you say? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, acting. I know com- there's comedic acting, but specific to Schwarzenegger, I think you have to say comedies. Hollywood, not acting. Yeah, okay. Comedies. For Hollywood acting, and, and Hollywood has great movies too, but I'm just saying they're, they're, it's all part of the Hollywood system. Yeah. But it seemed like it was easier for, uh, for uh, Arnold. But I think it's easier because of what you said. You and you hear the deal, the deal. You, you can't take that seriously. Whereas with Sly, you're trying to take him seriously in a comedy for a guy that doesn't have that muscle. Schwarzenegger doesn't need the muscle because it's already set up for the laugh. Yeah. Sly don't have that muscle, you know? Um, but you got, but I will say, listen, Sly's ability to direct, yeah, produce, right, write, star, that's where I tip my hat to him, man. And because, you know, when when Schwarzenegger said it, and I've heard other actors say it. But he said it best when he goes, when you when you just are acting, that's all you got to worry about. When you produce, yeah. direct, write, star, you don't get a break. It's 24-7. You don't have a family life. From beginning to end. That From means editing. Editing. You, 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 you don't, your family don't see you. And when you know, when you work on a movie, you're doing 12-hour days. So by the time you get done, get home, if, even if it's an all-day shoot, by the time you get done, get home, and you got little kids, they're in bed going, getting ready for school tomorrow. If it's a night shoot for 12 hours, by the time you get done, you're barely seeing them either. So the fact that Sly could wear that many hats is a testament to the motherfucker was a hard worker, and he was a creative force. That is without a doubt. Right. But I, I just I, I found it interesting though that he just it just seemed easier for uh, for his his companion in the eighties, right? Sylvester, uh, Arnold to be able to skip to different genres. But what I didn't know until Arnold said it was when it came to the box office receipts, he admitted Sly was always one step ahead of him. Yeah, you know, he said once Sly packed on the muscles and became those characters, they were really in competition because it was like. Whatever Arnold would do in terms of box office receipts, Sly would edge him just a little bit. 
Uh, but fuck, at that point, man, success is success. Give me a break. Okay, I want to stay with your notes because I want to go through it because uh, I like when you, you break it down. Um, dude, I never knew his father played that big a role in his life. No, neither did I. And those sat, there's some very, like, just these moments where you know that it was just, it was that sea change moment where it just turned his life in a completely different right, direction. Right, uh, Several times. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable that somebody could be that much of a dick. I'm going to jump ahead, way ahead for a little bit because since we're on this riding that wave, might as well ride it all the way. From, I didn't know that, you know, and this was great about these documentaries is when you learn about people's lives, obviously you know the things you know or knew from what you had seen or read, but then this is just a little bit of a deeper insight into what you didn't know. I didn't know that Sylvester Stallone was a great polo player. And he, he when he got enough money because of the love he wanted from his dad and his dad played polo, he bought a whole team, horses, set up games. And his father, I don't know if it's the heat of competition or his dad was just being a dick. But when his dad knocked him off the horse, which could have paralyzed him and fucked him up, that's how Christopher Reeve yeah. ended up fucked up. Sly goes, and from that, he even at the little, you know, after polo game press conference, he gave his dad a little verbal jab, like, you know, my fucking father knocked his son off the horse. But he goes, after that, never play polo again. And sold everything. Sold everything. And I went, he wasn't going to fuck up that brand. he fuck around, fall off that horse, ends up in a wheelchair, ends up paralyzed. That is it. So he wasn't going to fuck up that brand. I think the, I think there's a lot of hatred for his son. Well, I, even if you go back before that, yeah. he he does the Rocky movie, and he says his dad right wants to write a film called Sonny. He goes, it's Rocky's son, and uh, Stallone's brother Frank and him went. Man, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's that's he right, wants character, and he didn't want to give it to. He didn't want to show it to uh, Sly. He went and gave it to his his uh frank and then yeah. he went and he tried to give it to the director to go around him because obviously he knew that there was something fucked up about it right but he wanted he that competition that right. that, that he was uh it, it's terrible and, and, and then that and, and that's but but that, that, that's why I'm, I'm i'm i've never been a traditionalist in terms of what family is supposed to be now i'm pretty sure that when you look at the numbers and perspective most families love each other, have each other's back. Blood is thicker than water, blah, blah, blah. But for me, me and my sister came up as jealous rivals for our, for our father's attention. And for a long time, up until not this year, last year when we went to Chicago, which is where my sister lives, we made up for the first time and spoke to each other in over 20 years because we hated each other and we, we, we didn't speak to each other. And, I, and that's why I always said my best friends, who I call my brothers, Ish and Ivan, I got two real brothers, Kenya and, and uh, uh, oh, God, I can't remember my other brother's name, Jimmy. My From same father, different mothers. I haven't spoken to them niggas in over two decades. But I am, like, considered Ish and Ivan are my blood. So I, I, I just go, yeah, I, I, and I love when Sly said, in terms of life, I wish. I wish things had been a certain way. I wish I, I was closer with my real brothers than I am my brothers who aren't my real brothers. But this is the hand I've been dealt. And I'll take family in whatever form it feels right to me. Now, let me get to the, the, the last part, which was funny. His father's on his deathbed. And his father says, come here, son. 
And he says, you got to learn to be more forgiving and love people and just forgive. And I love how Sly, as much as it meant to him, he still had, you could tell he still was a little sore because he said, this son of a bitch, now you're having your epiphany as, as the angels are whispering in your ear. Where was all this love that you could have given me that I needed so badly as a child? But because you're dying now, and he, he wasn't mad about it, but you could tell he was a little like, you mother. He even said it jokingly, you bastard. You know, when he said that, and I was watching this, I had a lot of focus on what was said. I, I think that Sly Sylvester Stallone is it was an incredibly gracious, good person. Because at that moment when he said that, to me, I got a completely different meaning from that. Really? Yeah, because when he said that, he goes, you got to learn to be more forgiving. And Sly took it as like, oh, he's having this epiphany. You got to be forgiving. You got to be. I think that his dad was telling him that he need Sly need to forgive him, his dad, for his transgressions. Oh, so you need to be more forgiving. In other words, forgive me. Yeah, forgive me. Right. I don't even think it's not other people. Not ever the people. Okay. Not everything to anything. It is. I think his dad was a was just a fucking dick from the beginning to the end. Even at the beginning, where we didn't even touch on this. Sly's uh, mom is left on her own. She has to go to a, a, a hospital that helps people that don't that don't have money. That's where he, he was born at, mm -hmm. and then that's how they that's how he got that his thing on his face. That's that's how why he had that the, the, the lip is from is from birth. The dad was a piece. I, I, you know what? If he loves his dad, he wants to remember him that way. I can't shit on his dad for him. I'm just gonna say I just I, I view that man in a different way than he did even at the end. If you had faced exactly those same circumstances, would you still have, have that position? Knowing his dad, if your dad is on his deathbed and he's saying to you about being more forgiving, which means be forgiving to him. He, he, it, listen, his dad could have just said, which I think he should have said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things I did. I but hope, instead you, of I hope saying, you can be more forgiving than I've been in my life. Right, but instead of saying I'm sorry, which even feels a little like a dick move, he's putting the onuses on, you need to be more forgiving. Forgive me, but I'm not going to apologize. But I'm, but again, my question: Had that been you, is that still your, your? You feel that way? I think you let people go because there's nothing you can do. It's not going to change anything. I think you let them go because they're they're going. Uh, but I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been as gentle in my uh, in my documentary about how I felt about him. You wouldn't have been as gentle, meaning. I would have said the truth. I would. I wouldn't have laughed when I called him a bastard. I go, he was a fucking dick to the end, is what I would have said. Right, but at the moment, if he's saying to you, I would have let him. I would, have, I would have let him go out. No, but would you would, have, would you have hugged him and kissed him and? I don't know about kissing. I would have given that 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 hug goodbye. I would have given that hug goodbye, like goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. Oh my god! I'm 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 almost dealing with something like that now. So I, I'm well, very in touch with not, what's happening. Your dad's already gone. Right? No, no, no. My real, my real dad's uh, my. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, he's he's dealing with some health issues, and we have a you know a very strained relationship, and uh, I'm doing my best to keep it in uh, uh, a lighter and and not that you for, not that you even forgive. I don't think he's forgiven me for anything that I've done, and I'm not forgiving anything. I think we're just putting it aside so that we can have a healthy. Uh, run here at the uh, here at the closeout, <laughs> uh, and I think that's more what it is. And you know, a little bit for my kids, so that my kids can see him without my pre. You know, he, you know, a, a dad 
uh, this is the best way I can say this. And I, and I think this is true. A dad could be a dick to you. Like your, your, your dad can be a horrible person to you. But if you have a way that you can get past it and that he can be a better person to your kids, that's something. And so I wanted him to be able to at least be able to, you know, have some kind of relationship with my kids before the end of this. That's the only right. thing that I, that I take from this. So when I, I was very in tune to what we was saying and I was really listening to what he was saying, and I, I, that's why maybe it's my own shit that I'm hanging on to, but I felt, as, I, I felt that when someone doesn't apologize and says, you need to be more forgiving, they're, all they're asking, all they're saying is, hey, I could have fucked up everything, but you need to forgive me. That's how I heard it. Right. Well, that's somewhat how it was delivered. Yeah, it was. But, but <laughs> right, Sylvester right. Stallone said, you know, and the, he was a little bit more polite about how he wanted to remember right. his dad. I, I, I choose. And to- it was Frank Stallone, his brother, who made it happen because he was like, dude, our dad is dying. You need to see him. So. And now, uh, do you have anything about Frank in this? Not really, but I, you know, I know I've told this story on the podcast before. Uh, I, I sat next to Frank Stallone in first class, uh, and he and I talked because uh, he's a singer. He and I and my mom was a singer, yeah. so he and I talked jazz, Frank Sinatra. Uh, we had a good conversation, man. He gave me his number too, but I never called him. And you know, very cool guy though. You know, I, I was uh, there was there's one line in this whole thing that. <clears throat> crushed me as a human a little bit yeah. uh, about how how good of a person you need to be in life, really, is when uh, he's talking about, uh, we'll get there, but I, since you don't have anything about Frank, I just want to get this part in. He said, uh, and when Rocky, you know, that was the, you know, they said the last picture that Rocky was famous, but then he goes, and he goes, and that was the end of my career. Yes, because from then I was Rocky's brother. brother. He couldn't, and it's hard, and you know, to set yourself that from that moment on, no matter where you go, what you do, oh, he's getting that because he's right. Sly's brother. He's, but he was already in music. He was already part of that. And and to be honest, that's how I saw him when Rocky was out, and you know, right. Sylvester Sloan's famous. Then you see, oh, this guy's doing this song, and you go, Rocky's brother. What's he doing this song? You know, it, it's it's almost the blessing and the curse because whether you're the the brother or the sister or the son or the daughter, when you are a iconic, big, major star, the siblings have it rough, man. Look at the history. Rain Pryor, Richard Pryor. Tony Rock, Chris Rock. Charlie Murphy, Eddie Murphy. Sly Stallone, Frank Stallone. Very rarely do you get two people who make it equally with that kind of and and usually, let's be honest, though, I think part of that is the talent level isn't as good. But very rarely have I seen two people, two siblings, make it at the exact equal level and have equal talent. It, you know, I, you know it, I, f- I feel like no matter, unless you really have the ability to match whoever the superstar is, Maybe that's just a part of the reason why you're not there. Maybe, but you know, you're in entertainment. You're you're a singer. You're you're making your way, and then your brother blows up overnight to be one of the biggest stars. I mean, that has to be and and to, and to gracefully go. That was the end of my. But, but let's be honest. What is was he going to make it? No, no, no. Oh. Before we cover Frank, but let's be honest. Now, Kirk Douglas was big for his time. Yeah. Was his son as equally as talented? Yes. Anybody, any of the other Douglases matching Kurt or uh, uh, 
what's the Mike Mike Michael? No. Richard Pryor. Was Rain really as funny as Richard or the twins? No. Mar- Marcus Jordan. Was he as good as his dad? No. No, but then you got Chris Rock and you got Tony Rock. What I've always said, I think Tony's funnier. And, and Tony has to sit in the shadow of his brother a lot because that was a he's a big brand name. Right. I think when you become a big brand like that, that's right. when it becomes even harder to get past. Is Charlie as funny as Eddie? Charlie got funny. Yeah, but Eddie was funny. Yeah, but Charlie did get funny. He's his his storytelling ability was fucking beyond, man. Right. And, uh, but a funny comedian. And, and, and then on top of that, Frank Stallone did a certain kind of music. Yeah. It wasn't like he was pop. You know what I mean? He he was, it was two kinds of love and you ought to know. He was a crooner. Uh, he was, you know. Yeah. So did he have, a, if, if that never happened to, to Sylvester Sloan, does, do you think Frank makes it? Is he going to be a big star? I don't think so. So Even maybe. Even if there was no slide. So. But the end, what, that was there. But that was very gracious that he would have a great relationship. It seems like they have a great relationship. Yeah. And there's no, you know, animosity. And that, that's, that's something. That, I right. mean, I think that is, that is impressive. Um, there's also, oh, who's Brian? Doesn't curse Brian the comedian. Uh, Brian. Brian Regan. He has a brother. Never knew that. Yeah, and his brother's really funny, and you're gonna be really, and I'm feel really like a dick right now because I can't remember his name, but I couldn't remember Brian Regan's name right now either. So, but you knew enough to say Brian. Brian, yeah, I'm trying to remember his brother. His brother is really funny, but he's never gonna hit that Brian Regan, right? But he's really funny. He he headlines, uh, but he's he's, uh, oh, uh, other comedians though. Uh, who was uh, <laughs> who was Chappelle's uh, writing partner? Neil Brennan. And so Kevin Brennan is his brother. I never knew that. Yeah, his brother was doing comedy before him in New York. Right. Uh, and it's funny. A lot of people don't like him, but he uh, he's, you know, it, it's hard. Siblings, yeah. siblings. So this is a very difficult, but his brother, I just, I brought it up because I really thought that when you watch it, he has that one line and he says, and that was the end of my career. And he, there doesn't seem to be any malice. You know, maybe I'm speaking out of turn because I don't have a sibling. It's some major star. So I wouldn't really know how that feels. But I also go, if I had a sibling that was a Sly or an Eddie Murphy, and I don't know if this is lazy verbiage, but at least, nigga, take care of me then. (laughs) Like, if you that big and you that rich, nigga, make sure I'd never have a day where I go hungry. No, but to go to to your point, though, what you just said, when he's having problems with his dad, Sylvester Stallone, Right. It would be like if your mom took you out, which she did, and rains on you because she you could you could be successful, just don't be more successful than me. That's what Sylvester right. Stallone's dad seemed like. And your mom obviously yeah. wasn't. She put she helped yeah. you go yeah. forward. She didn't try to. Right. She wasn't worried about if you were going to cast a shadow. Right. It's fantastic. I think it would be fantastic for your kid cast a shadow. I mean, how much ego do you have that if your kid gets big, you can't go? Yeah, I fucking made that. Yeah, man. Listen, uh, the one thing that that's always been prevalent in life, especially in this business, because all the things that are involved, money, fame, power, it can divide and break families. It and you would like- think that that bond, just off the sheer uh, fact that we are family, nothing breaks that. But this 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 business, 
has a way of putting all that to the test. Well, this is more than the business with his family because his dad wasn't really doing anything. He was just going to do whatever, you know, he was just mad that his son was doing something and tried to jump into it. But I, we spent a lot of time right. on that. So, I won't uh, you know, Jay-Z has a quote. Uh, there's two great quotes that I love, one from Jay-Z and one from uh, Mark Cuban. Jay-Z has a quote where he goes, uh, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. And it made me think of <clears throat> Lords of Flatbush in regards to Rocky. You know, uh, up until Rocky, anything that Sly had done, no one was taking him seriously. No one wanted to cast him. Again, the eyes, the droopy lip, and all of that played a part in how Rocky manifested itself. Stallone's desire, his drive, his, his, his uh, unwavering uh, uh, his instinct to stand firm in what he believed, not sell out for the money. So it took all that other shit to help make Rocky happen. So that's why I love that quote, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for, for you. you. Everything that's happening is happening for your benefit, even if you can't see it or believe it, which a lot of times I think I'm a, I fall prey to that. Um, and then Mark Cuban's quote, you only have to be right once. I love that. It's like when I said, I love Warren Buffett's quote, quote uh, uh, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control your money. And I, and I experienced from firsthand, stop arguing with these niggas on Instagram because the way I've got everything set up now, the monetization via Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and I want to thank all the fans uh, because these clips that I'm doing now are helping. It's working. The, 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 we've added shows. More shows are selling out, which means more money in terms of merch, more money in terms of what I get from the gate. So Aries, control your emotions. Because when you fuck up and you argue with these nobodies and your accounts get suspended, now you're not in a position to monetize. Now you're not in a position to grow financially. So when Mark Cuban goes, you only got to be right once. And listen, I've been wrong more than I've been right, which I think is most people, especially if you're trying to be an entrepreneur and reach any kind of success. But I'm sitting here like, dude, I feel like between the Vlad TV interviews, the growth of the podcast, the clips, um, and I got this app, which I'm weeks away from putting out. I just got to be right once. And everything changes. Rocky was Sly's moment of being right. Not not just pulling back and not letting him buy it. Five hundred thousand dollars. You have no money, and they're at that you, time. And at that time, and they're giving you five hundred thousand dollars. You damn near rich. And he fucking stood firm, and then took the challenge of doing it with almost no money, and making the movie. That that's you know that's that, that's, that's Rocky balls on the table. That's yes, Rocky. Yeah. That's the guy, the, the fucking nobody that goes for it all and wins it. Well, and, and what I really like, and I'm sure it's in here, but uh, his no, the, the, the Sylvester Stallone, the person, the notes of his life are in all the Rocky movies. It's it's the state where he's at emotionally. His emotional notes yes. are in every stage of the movies. I, I'm so glad you said that because I'm gonna jump to that note. But before I do, let me say this: like this is why people, I, I listen to me, and 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 this was kind of alluded to in Rocky when when he goes. My agents were giving me scripts, play it safe, play it safe. Yeah, they want to play it safe because they're thinking about the dollar. Sly is not wanting to play it safe, which is where the real money is. Because when you 
take chances, that's when brilliance happens. And that's when real creativity flows. So in that, I'm just sitting here going, don't listen to people. I mean, yeah, there are certain times maybe you should, I mean, you do listen to people, but go with your gut, go with your feeling. Because a lot of the people that are in your ear telling you what to do and what not to do, they're thinking about their best interests, not yours. And I'm sitting here going, that's how stupid people are. There used to be a time when, I, and you know, everything I posted on Instagram ended with, and DM me for the link to the Spears and Steinberg podcast. Follow us on YouTube at Spearsburg. And some of the comments, these fucking nobodies would write, man, that's so pathetic. Look at you pumping your podcast. Man, you out here begging like a homeless person with a tin cup, always talking about, listen to the podcast, subscribe. That shit is corny. You lame. And I used to respond, what's lame about making money? And, and, and even though it might be pennies on the dollar now, Okay, you got to crawl before you can walk. But the bottom line is, and this is what people like Stallone and Arnold, visionaries, you petty motherfuckers, you, you, you simpletons can't see what we see. You don't feel what we feel. So, yeah, call us what you want. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be making money while I sleep, while you get up to fucking wake up and go be told what to do by your boss. So we're making money off the podcast. We start making money off YouTube monetization. We start, so all those DM me, DM me for the podcast, they're going to pay off. And, and again, what part of the game is that? You're knocking a grind? You're knocking making money? It's the dumbest shit I ever heard. What I think is really funny is as a comic coming up, and I heard this from other comics too, but this is kind of what you're, what you're alluding to people saying this. As a comic, you know, you have to you have to do promo, you have to go market, you have to, you know, pass out flyers, tell people to come to your show, bring people to your show when you're starting out. You, you started out different, so it might be it's different for you, but you're an open mic, you're trying to bring people to a show. They say, Hey man, you got to bring a few. So you're out there, you're promoting, you're pumping up, and people are like, Man, I'm not doing that shit. Why am I gonna bring people? Post it on your uh, post it on your uh, social media, do stuff so that you can get people to come, more people come to the open. No, I ain't doing that shit. I, and I finally said to one guy who said, I don't do that, man. I, you know, there's no reason to do that. I'm not going to help you promote your show. You promote your show. And I go, dude, when you're on the road uh, and the, the, the headliner shows up at ABC uh, television at uh, five o'clock in the morning to pump their show, they're not doing promotion. We all promote. We all do what we need to do to get more people just because and you don't you have to pass out flyers because you can't get a TV spot. On to promote your show. Right, right. You know, if you if you had the ability to get that, sure. Now you don't have to pump, you don't have to pass out flyers. But until you get that, go pass out your fucking flyers. Listen, the goal is to get to a point where you're a Chris Rock and a Chappelle. They don't do TV. They don't need to. No. Once the name is announced, the show's sold out. But until you get to that point, yeah, you gotta work. And all that they did to get to that point is the promo. Their name becomes the promo. Right. So until you get to that point. Pass out your fucking flyers. I love when uh, Will Smith, I, I think the story goes, Will Smith went to somebody's studio early in the day, but before they really blew up, and was like, basically, you niggas wear all these diamond bezels and chains and iced out shit to kind of promote who you are, to bring attention to who you are. He said, my face is my chain. 
I don't need to wear that jewelry no more. I'm so big that my face does what the chain is supposed to do. It's, yeah. So until you get to that point, you got to do work. But like I said, what part of the goofy game is this? That you niggas are knocking a hustle. Yeah. A grind to make money and get to the next level. What goofy shit is this? Lazy shit. Ugh. So yeah, Sly was right once. And, the, and, the, and that being said, once you're right, if you write on that, you never have to look back again. The rest is history. So just be right once. And but, that's Yeah, but I do remember when Fist came out after Rocky. Oh, dude, but listen. <laughs> what was it? Fist and Paradise Alley. Paradise Alley. Dude, and, and Sly said something when he went, you know, people think that once you get to the top and you become the star, and it's easy. And uh, wait, I wrote it down. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, you, it, it's not what you expect. Now, obviously, I'm not there. I've experienced some moments of, of success and continue to. But my ultimate goal, I'm not there. But I went, what the fuck does that mean? I love when he said, this is what he said, because I remember, <clears throat> I, I, I put this in, the, in, in here for this. He said, the air is thinner. He goes, and there's not a lot of people up there. It sounded so lonely and cold when the way he said it. It's lonely and cold down here, man. Yeah, but when he goes, you, but you don't have the, you know, it's, there's less people to trust. There's less people to go to. There's less people that you're in your circle. There's less of, there's just less of it. I thought that when he said that the air is, when he goes, the air is thinner and there's not a lot of people up here. Like he said, it's lonely. You know, I, I think I, I, okay. And then I started, I felt like I started to get a glimpse of understanding what he might've meant because again, I didn't know Paradise Alley and Fist came after Rocky. Two bombs. The way I saw it was Rocky, Rocky two, And it was nothing but a, just a gradual climb up the mountain higher and higher. And, and from what I did understand was, you know, he goes, once you get there, a, people are still knocking you going, oh, it's it, luck. He's a fraud. Can he do it again? And then he comes out with these two bombs after that, which kind of plays into what his critics are saying about him. Now, I can imagine standing back looking in, okay, you make Rocky. You think the world is going to be paved with gold. Everything's going to fall in your lap. And yet people are still saying shit about you. That, that, you know, is bothering you, hitting your ego. Then you make these two movies, which are flops. So now you might start to feel like, damn, I'm only going to be seen as Rocky, which you don't want to do. You don't want to be a, a, a one-trick pony. So maybe I'm going, maybe that's what he means. Like, 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 you know, you think once I made it, boom, I'm Rocky, I won the Oscar, the world is going to fall in my... But nah, here we go with some more shit. So, I, I, you know... Again, I'm not in that position, so I don't completely understand. But okay, I, and then he also had a he didn't talk about this in this, but there was also a, like a soft core porn movie that they had that he did some porn scene mm-hmm. at that time, and that that came out too. So they they were trying to discredit him a little bit when right. after Rocky came out. Uh, very, uh, yeah, to hit that big, get that award, but then, the Oscar. But then the flops. Then the flop, right. And, and the only reason why, which for most people would have killed them completely, Rocky made a ton of money. 
and won an Oscar. The, the highest award, the highest thing you can achieve in show business is that golden statue. So he had some room to fuck up. Yeah. But how much longer he could have fucked up would have been the thing. Rocky II doesn't make it, you're done. Right. Because Hollywood has to give you another chance because otherwise they're admitting that just some regular guy off the street has one in him, has one Academy right. Award winning, <laughs> directing, writing, starring movie right. in him. And they can't have that happen. But the bottom line is the money. Yeah. The when, yeah. Rocky one made so much money that they went, you know, let, we'll gamble on this motherfucker. Hoping he can do it again and again and again. And even after the two flops, then they really are putting pressure on you to go Rocky two. Because you know, we know Rocky worked. Yeah, but you know what was amazing too when they talk about this and the Rocky when he's talking about it, losing everybody that he initially had for Rocky. It was supposed to be Ken Norton, is what they said. Yeah, and I have. For, a, uh, here's my note right here, and I went, I couldn't imagine Ken Norton as Apollo Creed, and I'm glad for that because that means real actors matter. Well, not only do real actors matter, but imagine if you had him and he was saying, "No, it wouldn't happen this way." And as you get the people that needed those parts versus people that had parts. This is why I think movies, as you get more famous, might be more difficult. And I don't know. I'm not in this position, but you could tell me. You start getting opinions. Like, you're a director, especially since this is his first time. This is his first time that he's doing this movie, writer, star. Now, you got all these opinions coming in. If you had, like, the top, there were some top-tier people in there that were going to go, no, I don't see it that way, or I don't want this. It could have changed the whole direction of that movie, but because... The people that came to work on the movie weren't the most uh, well-known people. He had some people in there that were known. Taya Shire had already done uh, Godfather. Godfather. Yeah. But she was coming in. Still, it wasn't like she was. people were being down the door to give her right. work. So she had people that were taking direction from someone who didn't have any experience. I think that would have been way more difficult if he would have got uh, Ken Norton and some of the other people that they had right. listed. And then, like he said, when you said that quote that you just said, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. That scene where the, the ice skating scene, where yeah. they lose the, uh, all the people that are supposed to be there, and then he has to redo the scene that day, changes the whole movie, changes the whole... Happens for you. Dude, on the note that you said, when you go, uh, people coming in, everybody's in your ear telling you what the movie should be. I love when he said, which of course I didn't know, the director for Rocky Two goes, yeah, let's have Rocky do drugs. And be on the downside. And Stallone went, no, that's not who this dude is. He's about to struggle and he's an underdog. And dude, I, what I really love is Sly had the foresight to be so in tune with who this character was. He incorporated every piece of little bit of what was going on in his life yeah. to the character. The notes. Which made the notes, which made it work. Rocky Three, when he was like, you know, the fear of losing it all. I'm at this position in my life and in my career where I've got money and cars and material, but the fear of still being scared, feeling like a coward, which of course is the famous beach scene. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I got you. I got the kids. I don't want to lose what I got. Dude, it goes back. Truth. Patrice to, 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 to Dane Cook. Amen. Never sleep on the truth. The truth has to be, feels like it's got to be the main ingredient to your gumbo, to any dish, the base, honesty, be honest. And it, Sly was honest and it, and it always worked. 
You know, th th that was the great trajectory that I loved about these Rocky films. Rocky one, straight bum, nobody. He fucking loses, but he goes to distance. Rocky two, this time he wins. Rocky three, now he's the fucking star. And then from there, you know, it, I, somebody even described, I think it was a, even Quentin Tarantino. Now it becomes a comic book. Now you, you, you're comical. You got to fight the supervillain, which, of course, becomes Drago. He even alluded Mr. T and Rocky Three, which is why I said when we did the Rocky episodes, one is the better movie in terms of writing and quality. Three is the more entertaining movie in terms of popcorn and Pepsi. This is the ride now, Rocky Three, But one is the, the fucking Oscar shit. You know, that's why I say I love one, but my favorite is three. It's a ride now. So, you know. Dude, I remember just coming back home after watching Rocky One with my dad and my, my stepdad. And, like, my he's Italian, dude. He was yeah. couldn't have been any happier. The, the, the light, everything, like, the day was a little brighter that day after we got out of the Rocky <laughs> right, movie. Right. It was great. Right. Um, And, you know, I said this, you know, the, it's almost like, dude, like this movie I'm doing now, uh, I'm writing now. Uh, I, well, I'm, I'm kind of writing it, but not really. I hired two writers uh, to write this slave movie. Um, and I, I, after seeing this, and, and not like I didn't say this to them before, but after seeing this, it really drove it home for me. Rocky in terms of, is it a boxing movie? It's a side note. This movie is about the human condition, love, respect, acceptance, pain. It's a human story. Boxing just happens to be, and I don't even know, I like using the word side note. It's the driving, it's the driving force of the movie. It moves the movie along. Along, but, but what, what, what really makes people lean in is all that other shit. But then you... It lets you lean in emotionally with all that other shit, but then you get to the fight scenes, and the fight scenes bring down. Now you're rooting for the the emotion right. that you have in you. It took sports in a way that where you have where you had the emotional connection on the field. Rocky takes the emotional connection, puts it inside you, and now you're in the gloves. I love when he said in the theater when he knocks Apollo down, the theater stood it up. up like it was a real event. Dude, it's got to be something so powerful. Again, when you have a vision that no one else sees, no one else believes in, only you believe it, only you and your gut believe it, and then you have the moment which affirms everything you saw. You have to be, how do you not get goosebumps? How do you not, like, fuck, I'm right. I'm fucking right when nobody else thought I was right. That's got to be a dick hard feeling, man. Uh, I, I, it, but if you don't control that, then you you spin out of control because now you're right all the time. You're not listening to anybody. No, that's why I said, yeah. I believe you should listen to people, but also listen to yourself. Self. And that was slides where listen to yourself Self. from time to time. Yeah, you have to. But, you know, other people do have certain good people have good intentions for you. So sometimes right. you have to listen. doesn't mean you have to do what they say. You just have to hear it. Right. Uh. And dude, again, this is how just when you when you look at everything that Rocky embodies, this movie is just this franchise is so iconic because Bill Conti, the music person, that whether it's the 
or that uh doom 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 you can't separate that that music is just as iconic to that movie as the character itself that's like star wars you you can't have one without the other no but it's really funny cuz i have I bought the Rocky soundtrack back when right. Rocky came out. And if you read it, Rocky, uh, Sylvester Sloan tells this whole thing about the music for it. And then he gets to the very end and he said, and I just, it was the perfect music for the per, for this movie, whatever. And he gets throughout this whole thing. And then he says, and I just didn't know how he got it there. And then I realized, Oh yeah, he's Italian too. Like they were, there, there was this whole Italian movement going right, on. Right, right. But it says it in the sleeve of the original right. Rocky album. So I just thought that was funny. Because uh, that, again, it made my dad right. happy. Yeah. Light's always brighter when your dad's happy. <laughs> uh, dude, and this, I told you this yesterday, just a little side note. I, I did, and it's amazing, no matter how much you've seen things, every time you see it again, you may notice something different. As many times as I've seen all the Rocky movies, I didn't notice this until it, it was on yesterday on HBO, Rocky one, two, and three. And that scene where uh, he gets out of the hospital and him and Adrian are walking, it's snowing. They just finished talking to the agent and the other lady that was with the agent. And they're in front of the, uh, the tiger and the tiger's in the background at the zoo. And Salone goes, I was wondering if you don't mind marrying me much. <laughs> and she goes, yeah. And he goes, I'm a promise to be a good guy. I'm gonna leave no hair in the sink. And after he says that, he pats Tyler Shear on his shoulder. And this is what great actors do, man. I don't know if it was a real moment where she felt it or she played into it. Either way, it works. But I didn't notice it till just now. And I've seen this shit a thousand times. She does a little subtle, like, she doesn't say ouch. But after he slaps her arm, she winces. And rubs it a little bit, like, nigga, that hurt. <laughs> and then shortly after she agrees to marry him, he, like a caveman, throws his arm around her neck, like, hey, Adrian! Then he yanks this bitch with a brute force. And I just go, the same way when he was talking to Gans in uh, uh, Gaza and the church after he gets married, he goes, what are you going to do with your money, Rock? You want to put it on the streets? Invest in condominiums. Tell you the truth, I never woke. <laughs> Rocky's big, lovable idiot. He didn't know his own strength when he patted her chest, patted her arm, and threw his arm around her neck. And I just go, that's you knowing your character so well that he ain't, Rocky loves Adrian. He'd die for her. He wouldn't try to hurt her ever. But he's so unaware that he's this big, strong goof that he does that. And she, as a great actress, played into that. He's he's playing a giant puppy. Yes. Like a Great Dane or something he, like you that. You know, even better than that, he's the tiger that Mike Tyson wrestles. Wrestles, okay. It's, the motherfucker could kill you. But, you know. It's just try, It's not trying to kill you, but sometimes it may, you may just take a little <laughs> paw to the head. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, um, uh, I shouldn't have said Great Dane. I should have, whatever his dog was, Buckus. A Buckus, yeah, right. Yeah, I forgot what his dog was. Um, now, dude, this whole time, I've, we've both been credited Stallone as this phenomenal writer, director, star. Force. Force. 
I didn't know this about Rambo, but he was talking about how when he was doing his research, he read books from vets, stories. And this one vet tells the story about being a shoeshine guy. Yeah. And the box was wired. And when he opened the box, boom, it blows up and blows the guy's body into pieces. His legs are gone. It's the kid, like the kids. Like and the kids. The kid opened up the, the box. The kid opened the up the box. box. And the vet is crying, talking about, this kid got no legs. He loves his legs. It's traumatic. Sly basically verbatim puts that in Rambo. Yeah. The same way I said in Rocky Five, the flashback scene, which brings me to tears. You know, uh, uh, I, 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 I will watch you make good and I'll never leave you. Until that day happens, you know, that whole Mickey moment, that was from custom model Mike Tyson. Yeah. A real moment, verbatim. So again, I'm not trying to discredit Sly, but I'm going, well, wait a minute. Great writer or great, what do they call it? Plagiarism. No, but I, I think that writers take these, these inspirations and they build around those moments. Okay, but that's very different. Inspiration, building around a moment means maybe you take that moment as an inspiration and create your own scenario. But when you verbatim the, the moment and the words... That's writing? Yeah, because you took the sentence or the two sentences and then you create the story around it. You 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 redefine what that sentence is. I, I think that the, if he just walked around and followed someone for their life, took all their best sentences and then called that his movie, that'd be different. But he took one he took a statement that someone made and 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 reworked it to the whole scene. Because that, that moment, as he's doing the words, he's telling the story about the kid in the legs. And he's crying and he's being dramatic. And he's the, whoever the, the, I don't know, was Sergeant Colonel, but the guy who was always his go to, like, like a, a Batman, Commissioner Gordon. That guy, whoever he is, is like his Commissioner Gordon. And he's, he's hugging his legs and he's crying. The kid with his knees and the legs. That's that moment where you would go, wow, look at Sly's acting. Wow, that idea of a of a of a veteran veteran seeing a kid's legs blown off. That's heavy. Yeah, but almost but, 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 but that's a story you took versus you making up something just as dramatic, just as strong, your own words. Almost all great books come from something that was true, that was from real. And then they redo it. And the other thing about Rambo that you're not saying about it is he read the book and the guy is a horrible person, more of a drug addict kind of person. Mm. He changes the whole character. Right. So no, I'm 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 not gonna go with you on that one. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna stay, I'm, I'm gonna stay in my camp. I, I just know listen, man, I, that Rocky Five moment, the flashback scene, from beginning to end, the way that whole and I used to know that by heart. And every now and, then, and now and then when I felt down and I wanted to feel a little motivated and I, I needed a, a, a pep up moment, I would watch that on YouTube. Yeah, because you, but you don't have custom auto. So you had. No, Sylvester but what I'm saying is when I saw you. the custom auto Tyson thing, uh -huh. I went, what? It took some of the air out of it for me. Nah. Nah, he just, he re, he re, and he, he, he put something to that moment. He brought it in <laughs> with the rest of it. It doesn't live in the, in the Rocky movie with it. It lives because it fits into the Rocky movie. It the Rocky movie didn't become the Rocky movie because of that that those few words. Those you're those right. Few you're, senses. you're right. You're right. But damn. And 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 again, it, it, I'm not going to discredit Sly because even if you took away that, in terms of what he's accomplished well, for movie, as long as he's done it, 
does does Rambo not become a hit movie without that that one scene without what without those words? No, it still was a hit. Yeah, so it it, it like I said, it's built. It it, it adds to, uh, it adds the color and the, the 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 poignancy of what that what he Rocky well Sylvester Stallone took from that to put into the movie, and then he had to reinterpret it. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's good when you. Uh, can bring some real life, take some real life experience and add it to a, a fictional character. You know, uh, the one of the things I've, I've always loved about these Rocky movies is these great heartfelt moments. And this is where I tip my hat off to Tyler Shear. Because that, that speech in Rocky Five, which I still will stand on my ground as saying is one of the great Rocky movies, even though Sly himself admitted it was a dud. And that's fine. But but fuck that. That was, I know that was you my don't. happy moment when I saw that. In the... <laughs> I know you don't <laughs> like it, but I like that movie. But that moment when she's in the street with him and she goes, uh, if you want to pass something on, pass it on to your son. I know Tommy makes you feel good. He makes you feel like you're winning again. But Rocky, you're losing us. You're losing your family. <sighs> Oh, that motherfucking moment, dude. She's great. She, she's great. She's an underrated actress. For she's been in great things. But why? She, but we only know her from Godfather and this. Ah, she's been in other movies. But yeah, like, but nah, like that's I, the, the, all. There's Godfather, Rocky, and other movies. <laughs> it's like Burt Young. I know Burt Young is Paulie. I know what was that movie you had me watch uh, with him? Uh, the the uh, Pope of Greenwich Village. Yeah, and and so if you hadn't had me watch that. The only other thing I ever remember him in was that episode of The Sopranos. Yeah, I, I still don't think that you really understood how great uh, the Pope of Greenwich Village is. I tried, brother. I tried, um, dude. And, and what I I love the story of of how Sly told about how the Expendables came to be. I'm in a rock concert with all these old rockers. The place is filled up. It's a thousand people and they're still doing their thing. So basically the expendables is the 92 dream team. Who doesn't want to see that? Yeah. Me. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Me. I never wanted to see it, but I'm more power to him. But I understand when he said that though, when he said I'm at the rock concert, then he, I go, now I get it. Now I get what, what it's going for. But not only did it work, if it didn't, we wouldn't have, where are we now? Expendables 4. Yeah. But I, I just saw it as like a way, I, look, to me, it seemed like a cash grab to get all his old, but to get people that are in your genre, let's get together, let's do these things, let's have some fun with it, and let's make some let's make some money. That's how it seemed like to but me. But if it didn't work, we wouldn't be at four. 4. You're right. It works. People, so it works. People like it. But, the, the, you know, who likes it? The same people who go watch old rock shows. Hey, man. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. You're a fan of the fucking Stones. Yeah. Yeah. And don't they sell out? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But, you know, they still create new albums every now and then. Do they really? The people are are, are hits? Yeah. You know, exactly. Uh, You know, but uh, yeah, that, but I'm not not a big concert guy. But but no, no, but let me ask you seriously. Have the Stones now put out anything that's as big as Start Me Up? No, no. No. Or none of their old hits. No, nothing, nothing. What do you think that's attributed to? Uh, honestly, I think there's a several different things. Uh, one, the sound of that time period resonates with the people from that time period and stays that way. And then you move on, you try to hit other time periods. But listen, when they when they were doing like disco-y sound stuff, they were still getting hit songs on it. But then 
how do you, you don't come back from that. Uh, and then there's just, you fit a time, people fit a time and a place and a sound. And then when you move out of that, you, you can't continue to go. There's some bands that have done it. I think the stones have lasted probably the longest out of anyone, but you too was a band that lasted for a long time. And now people don't like them anymore because it does. They're, they're trying to they change their sound. I think you fit a time and a sound for you, for who you are and what your music fits. And that's where your genre is. And you kind of stay there. I don't think most bands can ever get out of that. One of my favorite songs is from the eighties. Um, and it's not my favorite kind of music, but it fit that time period. It represents something that was important to me sound-wise. And, and I stuck with it. I mean, I, I don't listen to it. You know, I don't really ever listen to it, but when it comes on, I'll listen to it. But there's oh, it was. <laughs> it's a song called uh, uh, Modern English, and it's I'll Melt With You. And Who's I, the band? Modern English. I'll Melt oh. and the songs, I'll Melt With You. It's an 80s song that was in high school, and I just really like the song. It's been in a few movies. And every time it comes on, I'll listen to it, but it's not like that's my favorite band. But that music hits a certain note for my life, and it brings me in, and I'll listen to it. I think bands are that way. I think music hits people in a certain way, and they stick with it. Now, there's some things that are iconic that will always, uh, that young the people who aren't from that time period can go, like Al Green. I think Al Green, anybody... Any dude who's who wants to understand his uh, talking to a woman, <clears throat> and here's Al Green. I think any almost any any young person can pick that music up, but that's still locked in from a certain time period. I don't think I'd want to hear a new Al Green album right now trying to convey that same message to me in today's time and today's music and today's sound. I, I'm stuck with Al Green in that time. <clears throat> What do you think? You think it can move on? No, I, I agree with everything you said about the time period and the place because I remember I had this conversation with my mother, again, who's a jazz and blues singer. I go, why is it that when you look at some of the greatest singers of all time, iconic, respected singers, uh, you know, when they were around and some who may be still around, Aretha Franklin, uh, Stevie Wonder, why can't, Stevie Wonder still be making hit songs right now. And he's iconic and one of the most talented, greatest, gifted singers ever. Why can't Aretha Franklin put out a hit song if she was, you know, when she was when alive? She, when she was alive. That's a lot easier when you're alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, why do some of the greatest singers, it seems like, because the talent don't change, the ability doesn't go away, but the ability to make hits stops. Your connection with that time period. Yeah, yeah, I think right. it has to be that. Cause that's, I, I think that that's what goes away. There's people who get past it. Elton John made music for a long time, but is he making music for a new generation from that time period? Or is he making music for people that are still coming from that generation, his generation, his generation that still appreciate it and enjoy it. And then maybe a, a smaller group of people from that time get it. I, I think that's more of what it is. I, I think we're really suited to our time period and our ears are suited to that time period. I know like, it's funny, you know, Nirvana was that big band, um, 80, 80s, late eighties, Nirvana. Nineties, more nineties. Okay. Beginning of the nineties. Yeah, it was beginning of the nineties. Dude, if, if Kurt Cobain lived, and I'm not saying that I didn't want him to live, but just the fact that if he lived, yeah. you think Nirvana is still thought of the same way? I, it's it's iconic because you couldn't get any more number one, and it's just this uh, it, it's just this moment in time that will never be recaptured. Um, but then there's David Grohl, who was the drummer, who you know has the Foo Fighters, and he's moved on, but his sound is different. And Dave Grohl was a different kind of person. He Dave Grohl likes old music. He just did a disco album, so. 
it's it's different. I I think we we get stuck in our time period, and only artists can really move in and out of those time periods. But I, I don't think that we do as people, and I think we get stuck in it. So bringing it back to Sly with the Expendables, because obviously yes, you had your Magic Michael and Bird and Bruce Willis, Schwarzenegger and Stallone. But then they would also throw in some young people. Like when they threw in Ronda Rousey, when they put in Jason Statham, when they put in, uh, forget the boxer's name, I think it's David Ortiz or whatever it is. They, they put in some young blood too. So that being said, you can't get the four unless you're tapping into this young generation, generation too, too, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And I think they need that. There's a little bit, like I said, you go, there's a little bit of the younger generation that will grab onto it, but it's right. still the people from our area that are watching that movie. Right. My last note, uh, I love it, the end, because this this is such a, such a conundrum. This juggling act that you have to do where he goes, if there's some regret, it's that, could I have been a better father? Could I have been there more, more involved, had more of an impact on my kids' lives? Yes, and that's one of the things I regret. But I think it's impossible to do both. I think it's impossible to be this juggernaut star. The bigger you want to be, the more success and wealth you want to attain. I just don't see how it's possible to be supreme at both. To be that star, to be that juggernaut, and to be this wonderful, loving, always attentive there dad and husband. Something has to sacrifice. And my question always becomes, I know the kids and the wife may not like it, but would they be willing to trade in this lifestyle they have now for that father that's always there and attentive? You know what? I I, I just, I don't know how anyone does it. And I don't think that I can put this on a career of acting and trying to, because I I don't know. uh, I'm going to say something that maybe I'm completely off on here, but uh, Mr. Rogers I don't know if anybody could. Do you know anybody who can complain about Mr. Rogers as a kid? That you remember Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Is anybody going to say he was anything bad about Mr. Rogers? No, I don't think they did. He wasn't. He, that's why the Tom Hanks movie. His son doesn't didn't have a connection with him, the same way. <laughs> the other kids all over the world had a connection Dude. with him. Right. So how you know? I, I it's hard to put anything on it. I don't know why things happen the way that they do. <laughs> But if Mr. Rogers isn't connecting with his kid, right? How 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 do you? But what's the trade off? What is this kid getting from his dad being Mr. Rogers? His dad was successful and better life, better, yeah. whatever he needs, whatever he wants. So that's why I'm saying I know that on one end the wife and the kids will complain, but I'm I would last I would ask the wife and kids. All right, so do you want to trade in? the greatest education, affordable education, the, the lifestyle, the big house, the cars, whatever you need. You want to trade all that in for a motherfucker that's always there? Well, that's the thing. Mr. Rogers apparently had time for so many different people but didn't have as much time as his kid wanted. Dude, I, I think that when you're, especially in this business, I can't speak to what it's like to be the most successful lawyer or the most successful doctor. And I would imagine that from everything I've seen in the movies and on TV... That's very time-consuming, too. It is. But show business is a different animal. And, it, and, and the rewards that you can reap from juggernaut success, well, what do you want if you're the family? 
You want the rewards or you want the home dad that's there all the time and attentive? But you ain't living the same. You don't have access to what you have access to now. The money ain't the same. So what do you want? Well, I think the, the, the other side of that, too, is there's a lot of kids that would like their parents to give them a little bit more space and not be so attentive and not be there that, all the time. That comes in the teenage years. No, but I'm just saying. Shut my fucking door, mom. I think there's a balance to being a parent. It's white kids, by the way. Balance to be a child. I, it's. I, I think we do the best we can, man. That's it. And I and I and I don't. Uh, but I, going back to Stallone, I mean, yeah, maybe he wants those things. I think. I think he has different regret. And here's the the problem I'm having. I want to have uh, an honest moment about uh, this this lie special that mm-hmm. uh, we just watched this time. I think the document documentary is disjointed. I think it was supposed to be multiple episodes, and I think there's some honesty issues with this. He doesn't talk about his son that much in this. He no. Talked right up once. That's doesn't op- mention his mom at all. Yeah, and this is a very important – his son, though, that's a very important moment when Sage right. dies in his life, you know, uh, that is a very affected moment in, in Sly's life. And that was kind of glossed over. I thought it was really glossed over for what, how critical that moment is. Uh, Like you said, his mom, uh, there's things that they didn't bring up. There's things in his career. Like I I would love paradise alley to be his worst movie, but I think uh, silver, the one with Dolly Parton. uh, Oh, rhinestone. Rhinestone. Right. I think that one is the winner of the worst movie that he over Oscar. Maybe. Well, Oscar's there. Oscar paradise alley and rhinestone are like, they're, they're, they're all, you're not throwing fist into that. No, Fist actually had a purpose, and it was, I think Fist, if he would have released Fist at a different time, uh, I would have liked him to have been a little bit older, and if he would have done Fist then uh, and and give it some, you know, a little bit, it wasn't right after Rocky when everybody's expecting the right. big boom of Sylvester Stallone, I think then it might have been a, a decent movie. Right. Uh, so, no, I'm not going to put Fist there, but Rhinestone was... I think Rhinestone was worse to me because I don't get the pairing. Him and Dolly Parton. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, there's just a lot of, di- and, and then at the beginning of this, you see that he's putting himself to a new challenge. He's going to challenge myself and I'm going to, uh, you know, you see that he's moving and you see a few little scenes where he's walking around New York, but then they end it back at the house again, where he's just, you know, the pictures are all on the wall. I don't think this was an on. I, I think that he wanted to do something honest. I think this is as honest as he could be. I don't think this is the right documentary. And I don't think it was the right time for him because I think that there's something very much missing from this. But what would you say that is? Uh, you know, more uh, more honesty. I mean, to get really to the, you know, he, he holds up the scripts and he goes, this is how I write. This is, you know, emotional. But he's talking to you through the scripts. I, he's not. And then he, when he's... Talking about when I said his emotional notes come through in Rocky where he's really writing it, I want to hear about what got him to these moments. Like you said, where mom, you know, mom went to a different state with Frank and he stayed with dad. And where is any of that? And how does that end? Where did that conclude? Uh, again, with his son and what happened and how that happened. His, his daughters, his life, man, the real him. He was very focused on his emotions within the characters, but not his character. I don't know, man. I, th- I thought that the stuff with his dad, the dad was, was extremely the, telling. Yeah, the dad was the best. The dad showed what the drive is. The dad gave me the drive of who he is. 
But I didn't get anything. I didn't get anything personal about uh, the rest. I mean, I want to know about the Sylvester Sloan when he's making it big in the '80s and '90s, and he's driving uh, a, a big old Harley with gold-plated wheels. I want to know about those moments too. Like you know, emotionally, there was there. He didn't. So you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a little bit more honest about the debauchery that he went through in that time period. And, you know, and I love the word debauchery, but uh, there was, uh, you know, there was some honesty to it where I, I think that he's still very reserved. I think he gave us a lot, but I don't think this was the, the doc. I don't think this was the, 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 the everything we want to know. I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I wish I had wrote it down, but but that, there was another great moment. It's called The Lion Something, where he cuts to the black and white movie and he's talking about basically the parallels between him and his dad and there's a son wanting that love and acceptance and the assurance from your dad that he didn't get. And when they cut to the scene in the movie, it's the son basically saying to the dad, he didn't get those things. And the father so stubbornly not willing to accept any responsibility for his son's feelings. And he said, I will not be blamed. And it was this heart-wrenching moment. And, you know, listen, man, I, I've made no bones about this. And I've said, dude, I envy you in regards to your relationship and your sons because I don't have the relationship with my son that I would like to have. Uh, for, for, I don't want to get, I don't know, I'm not going to say, okay, I, just... I always felt like when I look back at some of the choices I've made, especially when you're trying to make it in this business, the younger you, the younger you start, the better, because you got room to fuck up. But I think the biggest key to your success or your chance at success is don't fall into distractions, man. Women. Women are a huge, of course you can say drugs, partying, and all that other shit, but women. And I don't mean that in a negative way to women. I just mean pussy can cause you to get married, be in a relationship, have children. And once you get into any of those things, it takes you off. It takes your focus. It takes you off the path of what you need to be doing to achieve that level of success. Uh, and I know that because there are times when I've been going... I'm, tr I'm trying to drive myself to do X, Y, and Z to try to do this and make it and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> My focus in terms of being a father, a good, a better father, just ain't been there because uh, I'm so distracted by what I feel I need to do uh, that my focus just ain't been there. So I, that moment spoke to me a little bit. No. And, 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 and I'm sorry, but no, no, let me no, just no. say this last thing. And towards the end... Oh, I love this line. I'm, I'm glad I, because I, I didn't remember this till now. When Sly says, up until your 40s, life is giving you things. Life is subtraction. Oh, and, I and, love and, that. And, yeah. Uh, uh, what's it? Subtraction and addition. Up until your late 30s, life is giving you additions. Once you hit 40, it's subtractions. People are leaving. People are dying. People are changing. And listen, man, I look back and I go, dude, I'm 48. Now, 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 while that's not old, and certainly I look at pictures of Will Smith and certain male celebrities, and I think Will's like damn near 60, like we're late 50s. 
and he still looks great. Still looks relatively young and spry. So I'm going, okay, you still may have time, yo. Unless you fuck up for real, got time. But time's moving, nigga. So I'm just going, I'm 48, and I'm not where I want to be in my career, in certain aspects of my personal life. So I got time, but I don't. So whatever relationship I'm going to have with my son that needs to be better, the clock's ticking, nigga. Move. It's, you got to move, which is why, dude, all the fucking up that I've been doing with other women and this and that, and now I'm at this point where, and I also like what Sly said, some of the things that I didn't respect, now that I've lost, I, I want because I respect it. So me going, I want to be back. My baby mother, I'm tired of living in this house I live in, this big house by myself. I want, I want a woman. I want family. I want my kids around me. I want noise in the house. I want to come home and hear, Daddy's home. So, yeah, man, I, you know, I've been distracted, and it's caused me to fuck up in a lot of ways. You were going to say. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to touch on a couple things that you just said, though, right now. Uh, you said you have time and we do, we all, we have time until the very end. We have time as long as, as long as you don't get, you know, <laughs> I want to say this the right way. If you don't get run over by a bus, you have time. There's nothing tragic happens. Yeah. Because, uh, you, you can't stop that. So, uh, but we do have time, but I think we, and I, and I don't know if I said this on the podcast before we look at life kind of in how we look at sports. We played in quarters. There's the first through the fourth quarter. I don't think life works one through four. I think life works more like hockey. It's one through three. Because you, when you say you're not old, and I'm going to say, I and I and I don't mean to shit, I'm not shitting on you and I'm not shitting on other people, but yeah, you're old, man. You're 48. I'm 58. I'm older. But that's but why- you look old. But I'm saying that's why I think we play it in three quarters. You have the youth where you can make mistakes, you're dumb, you're coming up, you're learning, you're, you're learning, you're dumb, you're whatever. Then we go into that middle quarter. That's our, that's our sweet spot. And that's where we get old. This is, we're getting, let's, we, you might not be old, but you're getting old. We're moving into old. We're moving from uh, the beginning of that third, that second period. You know, you, you're starting to do things, develop a career, get things. And now you're developing your old age. And that third is where you should be able to, like where you, what you're saying right now, you should be able to go into it. You've been your success. You've done some things. Now you can have a, you can slow down a little bit. You can spend more time with, with the things that are important to you. You can do things in a different way and you can grow gracefully bow out of this world in that third period. But I think there's a lot, of, I think there's a lot more time in, when I say it that way, there's a lot more time in that. I'm not I'm not a child anymore, but I'm not old. And that's that's where the big part of our life is in there. And that's where we live. And that's where we have our successes. That's where we do our things. I, I, I'm starting to look at it that way because I realize that I am old. Um, and like you said, am I, am I old? Do my knees still work? Do I get up in the morning? Can I walk around? Can I eat without, can I take a piss without being in pain? All those things are, are something that's important. Yeah, I can still all, do all those. So I'm not old. And everybody's buddy is a little different on how it happens, but I'm moving in that direction where I, I have to think about like how I'm going to feel, uh, where, what I'm going to eat now, what you're going to do. That's why I'm trying to get in better shape. I, yeah. We're, I'm, I'm leaving that second period. I'm moving into the third. <clears throat> and so that's just, that's just life. But when I'm saying what you said, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you about uh, Sylvester Stallone in this, where he, I, I don't think he, I'm not saying that he was dishonest, 
I'm just saying, I don't understand how it starts off when you're moving and then they leave you back at the house with the pictures on it. It's almost like I'm moving, but I'm not moving. I told a story, but did I finish it? Is there another piece to this? Is there another part that he's going to tell? Because I don't think this was his, his, the all out honesty. I think the part about his dad, I think that he got off his chest, but I would like to know. I would like, I would like to know more. He doesn't owe me more. But I would like to know more. If he's going to release a documentary, I would like to know more about him. Well, he does sequels, so yeah. And we don't, and we don't really see anything about his daughters. Who his daughters are? are and them bitches are getting business, son. <laughs> right? But we didn't, we didn't really discuss them either. Shit. He didn't discuss his feelings about his daughters, or his- I, I think he's so overly protective of his daughters. You know, because he's he's a he's they're a, out there though, dude. He's a pit bull dad, yeah. Dude. But they're out there, so shit. Let them let them give me some pussy, nigga. I, my lip will turn into. When I come, nigga, oh, dude, his daughter, his wife is dope. Dude, if you could, listen, I hate to say this because if he ever saw me, he might punch me, but if you could get one of his daughters and you could get that and that Sylvester Sloan money, boy, you'd be. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) That would be like Arnold Schwarzenegger when he said he wanted to marry a Kennedy. I want to marry a A Sly. I want to marry the Sly daughter. Yeah. Yo. Yo. Tara, I'm sorry. I love you, but this is economics. You know what I mean? <laughs> She's a lawyer. She could broker the deal. Uh, that's it for me, man. Yeah, that's all I got, but I'll give you some dates. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> we ask that you please like and subscribe to our podcast. It's important. Tell some other people to like and subscribe. Whatever you need to do, just, you know, Aries is... Aries. Is telling the truth, man. We, we're getting a little. We're making some move, moving forward. We're, we're, we're moving on up, but we need your help, man. Fish don't fry in the kitchen. The beans don't burn on the grill. And then it bip, dip it, dip it, bip, and it's trotting up that hill. Now we up in the big leagues, getting our turn and bat. As long as it's me and you and me, sugar, there ain't nothing wrong with that. All right. Let's do it. Uh, November 10th through the 12th, we're going to be at the Improv in Tampa, Florida. November 16th through the 19th, we're at the Ontario, California Improv. Very excited to get back there, guys. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you. Uh, November 24th through the 26th, we're going to be at the San Jose Improv. Haven't been there in a while either. I'm excited. I like all these dates that we have coming up. December uh, 1st through the 3rd, we're going to be at Tacoma Comedy Club in Tacoma, obviously. Is Uh, that the kitchen? Yeah, Soul that's Soul Food Kitchen. And uh, we'll be out there. We're going to have our, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll definitely have my uh, chicken fried steak. Chicken fried steak, man. You do the white gravy or the brown? It depends. Breakfast, brown, breakfast or lunch? Brown for dinner, uh, white for breakfast, because I like it with the eggs, the white, the yolks and the white. Oh, I thought that was your uh, host schedule. No, oh, yeah. White women like for breakfast, black women for dinner. <laughs> If I could, if I had that kind of pull, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Mm. Uh, December seventh through the tenth, as I have said before, we were going to be at Magoobies. That date has been moved to January. I think it's the first or second week in January. Please switch your tickets over. December fifteenth through the seventeenth, we're going to be at Summit in Fort Wayne, Indiana. December twenty first to the twenty third, Bricktown Comedy Club in OKC, and December twenty eighth to the thirtieth. Looking forward to seeing our good friends in Washington D.C. Improv, dude. I think, strangely enough, I'm kind of looking forward to Fort Wayne. I kind of like that spot. I wasn't mad at that spot. Yeah. I got to get my ticket for it. Yeah. Every now and then, I like seeing white hoes with 
piano teeth. <laughs> they were nice to us. They were nice to us <laughs> out know, there. I know. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but we'll uh, get your tickets, man. We're excited to see you guys. This has been a nice swing. We've been really enjoying uh, the road right now. We're just uh, wrapping up here at Levity Live in uh, West Nyack. We had well, an excellent show. The most successful weekend of my time ever here. Yeah, West Nyack. Sold out of five of the six shows. I'm telling you, man, something's working, baby. Something's working. Yeah, but by the time we get on this show, it might be six out of six. What do you mean, tonight? Yeah, tonight. No, tonight is sold out. Oh, it is? But this is five out of the six. Remember, the 3 p.m. is the only one that didn't sell oh, out. Oh, that's right. But that show was added very late. Yeah, that's what I'm... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> it, no, it's been a great weekend. We really enjoyed all the people that came out to West Nyack. Thanks for And he uh, told supporting. somebody, suck his dick. <laughs> he told me next. So <laughs> Some dude in the crowd yelled out, next. And Andy got into it with him. Dude stood up arguing with Andy. Andy said, suck my dick. Can I tell you how proud I was? <laughs> I felt like Joe Jackson and I was like, Tito finally got the steps. Dude, I was having, I, 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 it wasn't my best set. It was going okay. <coughs> and then I got some, I got a nice little run where it was really feeling good. And then he said that and I was like, blew the momentum. And I, but it was funny. We had a good time afterwards. The crowd was into it. And Listen, there always strong. has to be one dick. Uh, yeah, and there's always something at one show every week. Every week, there's one show that has something that goes on. You didn't have anything. You had a clean slate this whole time. Well, I- I'm an icon. <laughs> I'm one of the goats. I'm a legend. <laughs> Dude, and you have the ability to push someone's button and piss them off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't even have any of that this week. No, so well, 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 well. Uh, knock on wood. Yeah, there's still tonight. One show left. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Green. Baghdad promo <clears throat> Instagram at Ronnie Baghdad. That's R O N N I E underscore B A G D A D. TikTok at Ronnie Baghdad. Same spelling without the underscore R O N N I E B A G D A D. YouTube Ronnie Baghdad 411. R O N N I E B A G D A D 411. And Facebook is simply Ronnie Baghdad, R-O-N-N-I-E-B-A-G-D-A-D. And the song is called Him in Joy. Dude, I'm going to get you one of those uh, speaking spells so you can sound like that uh, scientist, dude. You can, instead of doing it. Ronnie Baghdad. And then you can do the, the, the spelling. Lord, forgive me. I am not <laughs> going to do this joke with the cemetery next to us. <laughs> But it would have been good. You haven't been like, no, 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 We're not doing that. We're not doing that. That's the show. Adrian! Tell them let me in. Tired of the fake and other phone. Tell them be legit. All these other niggas selling bunk and they swear it's lit. Leave a nigga laying in his trunk. Now you know I'm him. Now you know I'm him. Now you know I'm him. I'm that nigga motherfucker. Now you know I'm him. Now you know I'm him. Uh, I said him 
since the beginning, ask Adam about a nigga. Different type of killer, all static, I deliver. Hit him with the hands and let the talking be with pistols. And send the souls of God and be the martyr that you're missing. Not a fan of talking, I'ma have to mute it, yo. Float him while I'm walking, make him double take the flow. Twice. I'm about the darkness, start accumulating souls. Send him far below. I would never leave a ghost. I say, yeah, your life's stuck, I believe that. I believe that. I need death from the 50 like it's see. I can stress all the areas where peace lacks, but this thing will make all these niggas listen. Let's believe that. Yes, Lord, do this to the end of me. Mix it over steady, cook it to the remedies. How can you never doubt of me? It's everything. I can see hope over these common enemies. Banging on the door with the pistol, tell them let me in. Tired of the faking of the funk, tell them be legit. All these other niggas tell them bunking this way. It's lit. Leave a nigga laying in his trunk. Now you know I'm him. Now you know I'm him. I'm that nigga motherfucker, now you know I'm here, now you know I'm here, Slick talking is the way to get you left, these is promises, no threats, we bro stretch, super anonymous, poor bearers. goes down unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. A nickel bag gets sold in the park. I want in. <laughs> you guys got fat while everybody stopped on the street. It's my turn. Hmm. You think you're gonna live long enough to spend that money, you fucking hump? If any of you are tired of getting ripped off by guys like that, you come with me. I'm at the Plaza Hotel. You're welcome. You're welcome. Enjoy. 